Hello everyone, welcome back to the platform, the podcast for the rail fan and the model railroader alike. We are on the Spotify and this is the Station House audio series. We are back again with Michelle Ardron. Michelle, how are you? I'm good, thanks Bob. How are you? You're back for another visit. <laughs> Apparently, there's a rumor on the street that there is life after CP. <laughs> I would have never believed it if you hadn't told me. Yeah, but sad. apparently, there is life after CP. But maybe there's life after being an engineer for CP. What became of your career after the belt pack came in and you got out of the cab? Yeah, so obviously the belt pack changed uh, the landscape of uh, the yards. And so a lot uh, fewer locomotive engineers, if any. So Asia Court was predominantly all belt pack and um, no locomotive engineers were working in the yard at all anymore. Um, which meant that my turn being set back put me way back. So it there was, was all belt pack? All belt Not pack. even pull down or anything? Pull down was all belt pack. Hump was all belt pack. So not to be found was a locomotive engineer unless it was some, you know, in the early days, maybe if belt pack wasn't working, they'd call it conventional, but not uh, not as a routine. They were all replaced with belt Just pack. the hostlers at the shop. That's the it. Hostlers at the shop would still be uh, conventional, but that was it. Wow. It was never work for us. So yeah. And the belt pack was fast and furious. It, 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 it unveiled and that was it. it. There was no going back. Um, so again, there was buyouts and stuff. And um, so I was asked to come up into the training department. Um, they were looking for folks to, or they had asked, would I, would I transition upstairs? And, um, you know, in the face of seeing what was happening, uh, where my turn was, I uh, was about ready to start a family. I thought, yeah, I'll give that a go. I'll see. I, I, as I said before, I enjoyed the industry. I loved everything about it. It was a great time to be in the industry, all the changes. And so I went upstairs um, to join in a temporary way um, and did some um, riding around with uh, trainees and field placement coordination type stuff and then was right into the classroom teaching. Um, I was sent out to Calgary to class up as a rules instructor. At that point, CP had sort of headquartered themselves in hell in Calgary. Uh, so myself and a few other folks got, went out and became rules instructors. We classed up and became, um, certified rules instructors for CP. How was Calgary? Um, loved it. I was there for two weeks to become a rules instructor. It was full on immersion into that level of rules with the, um, department and um it was great i was there over a weekend i said to my boss uh, hey how about if you buy me a pair of work boots i'll go ride some trains out here so i wink was, wink nudge yes, nudge super lucky i so i left out of calgary rode the double sub um from um, um out of calgary to field in revelstoke and uh, one of the other folks picked us up in um in uh, revelstoke so that was amazing great opportunity got to see the spiral tunnels um yeah rogers pass amazing experience to see as part of the network and um so yeah it was a lot different than toronto yard a lot different than toronto yard yeah it was super fun and yeah, i'd heard about all of the tunnels and it was amazing yeah super amazing so yeah, so came back as a rules instructor and then um, started teaching rules, both uh, to the yardmen and um, conductor classes that were coming in. And 
um, also known as RQ at CP, a rules qualification or minimum qualification. There's a recertification process every three years by, um, by federal regulation. Um, railroaders have to go through a recertification process every three years. So I started doing that process with, um, with our folks at CP. So it was great. Got to keep doing state current and doing all so of that. So family for you and your family, uh, family planning was easier with this position? Yeah, there was not as much travel. I mean, the travel was much more local. So if I was riding with a trainee or, you know, going to see a student, it would be local riding. So yeah, so then started family planning and um, um, yeah, so I was looking at other opportunities. I took my mat leave and at that time an opportunity had come open at um, Transport Canada so I applied, um, that was in 97, I applied and took a position as a railway safety inspector with Transport Canada in the Ontario region office. So, so Transport Canada, for those who are not familiar with, with Canadian government, Transport Canada would sort of be the Canadian equivalent of the FRA Correct. in the, the US, same. Yeah. the mm-hmm. Federal Railway Administration. Mm-hmm. So Transport Canada would be the government agency uh, that oversees the safety and the, the regulations of the Canadian, Canadian railways. Yeah. Not only class ones, but also short lines. In Ontario, the short lines, there's a, a memorandum of understanding with the province of Ontario. Some provinces do have their own provincial agencies in Western Canada. They have a provincial regulating body. Um, in Ontario, the Ministry of Transport um, entered into an agreement with um, Transport Canada to do the inspecting for them. So okay. there was, in those days, 26 short-line railways in Ontario. So wow. there's that many with licenses and the ability to operate. The only thing you need is um, the insurance um, to get a certificate of fitness to say you're a railway in Ontario. So there's lots of them, lots of little short line operations. So, um, so yeah, so I took the, I took the opportunity because, you know, it was, I was planning the family and working a spare board just was not indicative to being home raising kids. So I wanted a good work-life balance. So, so what year was this when you went this to This was transport? in 97, January of 97, I took the position and, um, and again, not a lot of women. Uh, I was the only woman in the office uh, doing field uh, work. And you're thinking, here we go again. Here we go again. Uh, there, there did come, I, there was another woman in the headquarters who did some uh, work or had been in the region, but no running trades employees had ever worked. Um, no female running trade employees had ever worked. There was a, a female RTC, I think, that had worked in the office, but no running trade employees had ever worked there. So. Hopefully there was nobody at Transport Canada that walked in his underwear down the hallway. Definitely none of those. To the bathroom like the bunkhouse days. Definitely none of those. No, definitely none of those. Well, it was a step up then. It was a step up. It was a little classier <laughs> operation. But it's a huge pay cut. I mean, in those days, um, that was a $15,000 annual pay cut to go into um, government. It's a lot uh, of money. A lot of money, but good work-life balance. 37 and a half hour work week, government job, government pension, uh, benefits. So it gave me a lot of flexibility when I was raising um, my my girls. So, um, so it was a great opportunity, but I always knew I would go back to frontline. I always knew, um, that wasn't going to be a lasting career for me. It was good while it lasted, but I, I knew it wouldn't. And I got to see and do so many amazing things. So tell me about your job at Transport Canada as much as you can without any inside baseball, uh, secrets being let out. Uh, so you were a railway inspector. Railway so, inspector, yeah. so what did that mean? Ta- take us through a typical day. 
as a TC uh, railway so, inspector. TC inspector. So you're probably not the most favorite person in the bullpen when you uh, show up, but but essentially your job is to uh, monitor the performance of operating employees on all the railways in um, the Ontario region. So right from um, uh, Manitoba border to the Quebec border. And um, you would go to, you'd have an operating plan or a, a plan, like the region would have an operating plan. Uh, sometimes we would fly out to Winnipeg and then uh, there'd be three of us. One person would drive a car, one would go CN, one would go CP, and we'd all start heading uh, back east to um, Ontario. So Hey, surprise visits? Always, uh, almost always, none were ever announced. So um, We're here. Never. Uh, would just be a show up. So, you know, not everybody was welcoming. You know, you'd show up in the bullpen and stick your hand out a couple of times and say, hi, I'm from Transport Can. I'm going to ride the, the head end with you today. And there would be no uh, extending of hand and shaking uh, back. So. Nobody wanted to share the thermos of coffee. Uh, and all. again, ag- it's again, it's a minor chord with this, but you were one of the few... Yeah, females, if, if if any, at the time in that none at the time, job. no, not at the time in the job in the in the country, and so so now you're climbing up into an climbing engine. up. Yeah. They don't know your history. They don't know my history. Always, always, always. The presumption was I was an RTC, um, so uh, they would uh, rattle on about all kinds of things, and then they would uh, generally try to enlighten me in the ways of running trade employees and. And after, you know, maybe an hour or so, they'd warm up and then the conversation would usually turn to, so what did you do for the railway? Uh, did you work at the dispatching office? Were you an operator? And I'd say, no, I was no. a hogger out of Toronto. Yeah, and then that would be... Wah, and watch wah, the chin, watch yes, the chin exactly. drop. exactly. Yeah. It was awesome. Listen, I can dynamic break with the with the best of you guys. It was so awesome. It enough was, of the it crap. It was just, you never, ever fested up. You always waited for it to come out just like that. I'll bet you there was a real change of tone <laughs> after that little ditty <laughs> came out. It was always out. awesome. It was always awesome. You could probably uh, hear Mm -hmm. and feel the ice Mm -hmm. break. Mm -hmm. And now, hey, now you're part of the family. You could hear the the VHS tape in their head rewind to all the stupid things that they might have said. You're still the government to them, Mm -hmm. but at Mm -hmm. least now you're... Now one of them. Yeah. Yeah. You're human now. Yeah. Yeah. I put my (laughs) pants on the same way as them, one leg at a time. You bet. Yeah. So... So yeah, that was... uh, But, you know, got got to see and do a lot of really great things. when um, CN started to get out of the GO train operation in the GTA. So for the longest time, uh, GO trains were manned by the host railways employees. So when GO trains ran on CN, CN conductors and locomotive engineers operated them. And then on CP, same CN and C- or CP locomotive engineers and conductors would operate them. So then Bombardier came in. Uh, CN really was having crew shortage issues. And there was this whole um, time where they wanted to get out of that operation and we're going to support the go transit uh there probably was no money in it and 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 so they went up for bid and bombardier was the winning bid so we were in this situation in ontario where um it was a third three-party system so you had a host railway cn <clears throat> you had a railway owner with the um being go transit and then a different uh, body bombardier who did the crewing so a tri-party arrangement and so we went down to um, Sacramento because there was a railway in Sacramento that's in the same situation. We met with the FRA, who is our, you know, is our counterpart. And what could possibly go wrong with three bodies right? with competing interests? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went down just to see what lessons were learned from FRA and uh, regulation in the U.S. and how 
um, it was working for them, lessons learned, um, that kind of stuff spoke to the host railway down there. Um, and the, um, the other two, um, parties. And so, yeah, got to, got to see and do that. That was an amazing experience to learn from that. Lots of FRA partnerships. I spent a lot of time, uh, with the FRA in border towns. So flying up to, um, Sault Ste. Marie and, um, crossing into the U S and partnering with the FRA there. Same in Buffalo, a lot of time there with our FRA counterparts, and then in Montreal to the south with the FRA regions there. So got to see and, and experience a lot of fun stuff there. It would have been interesting, I would imagine, uh, with your own railway experience being with CP, to be able to go and do inspections and visit uh, a totally different operation. Absolutely. Algoma Central Absolutely, or the yes. ONR, Ontario Northland. Exactly. Um, Amazing, yeah. Got to see all those territories I'd never seen, places in Ontario that I had never even heard of before. I was now doing, uh, you know, um, toilet inspections on these locomotives uh, before departure. Re- re- remembering that yeah. that wonderful high-class mm-hmm. outfit mm-hmm. in the nose of a CP4200. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was not much better on the Algoma Central <laughs> locomotives either. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Wow. So tell me uh, a couple of stories about your, that you can, again, no inside baseball mm. uh, from your, your inspection days, um, maybe something that was funny, or if you can, if you can tell us something that you found, uh, you don't have to tell us the railway or anybody's names, but maybe a condition you found that just was unbelievably unsafe or, or hazardous. Yeah, that's not the fun part of the job, but it's the part of the job that um, is the real part is sort of the um, the safety aspect. So um, a railway safety inspector, if they're of the opinion that there's a threat or an immediate threat, will issue an order or notice an order. And it will, a notice is, is just putting the railway on notice, but a notice an order will order that they stop doing something. So uh, there was a, uh, a new railway that was starting up near um, the capital of uh, Canada. And that railway um, was new to railroading and uh, we're taking over an abandoned CP line. And this railway um, just really couldn't get their head around a lot of the regime uh, in Canada and how it worked because they were traditionally a bus company that had now got a foot into um, a bus company a bus company that now had we're got, running trains and now we're gonna run trains okay. and so um, the day before they were set to, to open up shop I had to unfortunately issue a notice and order and um, cease that they start operation on the day they intended to because of um, their test period and the number of incidents that had occurred during just the test phase so um, unpopular not my favorite thing and um, but again, we've said before on this program um, that railway rules are written in blood mm-hmm. and there's a reason for mm-hmm. them. It's not just to give uh, government inspectors uh, checklists to, you know, nope. boxes to check mm-hmm. off. Lives of the public and lives of employees are often at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, Did you feel that sense of responsibility on your shoulders when you were out? Uh, doing uh, this? I took my job very seriously and um, I was very proud of what I did because um, you're not well liked you're not the popular you know, you're not the popular people you know um, so yeah it's not the fun thing to do you're not uh, it's not like you're in the marketing department and you get to do all these funsy things it's yeah generally you know you correct behavior or point out behavior and I know uh, one of the class one railways here in Canada had a lot of um, 
there was there was an amalgamation or a takeover in the U.S. and a lot of those U.S. managers came to Canada and they were very familiar with the uh, U.S. model of FRA regulation where you get a fine, you issue a fine, a fine, a fine. And so when they came here, um, particular in one in one area um, in southwestern Ontario, they were having some trouble at one of their bigger yards, and it was all U.S. managers that had come in and. They just really couldn't understand the methodology here in um, Canada and whole deregulation and how they're responsible for safety. And I remember them asking me numerous times. I would I would cite them for non-compliances, and it was repeated, repeated, repeated. And I kept saying, you know, you guys gotta you gotta fix this. Like, here's your opportunity. I'm I'm pointing out the problem. And he said, Well, ma'am, what what's it gonna cost us? How much we owe you? I said, Well, you don't. Like, you need an fix action it. plan. You need to fix it. Really? Uh, yeah. And so he scratched his head and he just could not understand that the onus was on them to come up with an action plan. I said, I can tell you what to do or how to fix it, but that doesn't mean it's the right answer or the solution. It's your business. It's your operation. And for the life of them, they just really wanted me to fix it. They just really wanted me to go away at any cost. And um, they would have rather written a check. They would have written the check to make and you go away. to make me go away until next time's visit. And they just didn't understand it. And I said, I'm in the business of pointing out the problems you're in the business of making you know the solution or coming up with the long-term solution not me so uh, it was a huge huge uh, shift for them in, in understanding the culture here did being out on the trains doing the inspections make you miss your career in running trains yeah i mean it was nice like if you ever were missing it you could easily you know uh like schedule buddy, let me run this thing for they a while. would often <laughs> let you have a have a have a go and um, oh is that right mm-hmm, oh know, that's nice they were yeah. professional courtesy yes absolutely yeah. and when they like, realized they know you're qualified you know i'm qualified so yeah they would often do you want to run and yeah so it was good and and as you said lots of great opportunity i got to see and do so many things and the exposure coming only from cp was amazing to see all these other railways all these other operations and um just really to see how it how it happens in all these little towns in ontario amazing like agawa canyon did you find that there were certain railways again no inside baseball did you find that there were certain railways that you could pretty much predict that certain operations would have a cleaner bill of health than others before you even got there yeah certain you, areas re- it was very regionalized yeah. there was um, just an in a, either an atmosphere mm-hmm. or a um um culture a culture yeah. thank you that's what i was looking for a culture of safety mm-hmm. and best practice and and i and i again it's not because i'm from cp so i'm not gonna say hey, that i'm wearing the hat <laughs> go for it so i would always wait and of course you have your own biases right that's because we're human and um when we would hire cn inspectors um and they would come and they would ride and particularly in in, in northern ontario um the culture is much different up there the railroading is a little bit different up there. Um, they're good railroaders, uh, very clean. You don't get a lot of issues. And I remember the CN inspectors would come back and they'd say, hmm, well, you know, I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with the CP. They were always very shocked. The level of professionalism with the CP employees. Um, and I, I think because even in my time there, we were really meant to toe the line. Like before the Hunter Harrison days, uh, as I said before in a previous podcast, I mean, uh, in 28 days of showing up to work every day for 28 days straight, I missed two days in 14. We covered this, Michelle. You're a horrible person. It's Wanting a two pattern, Saturdays a off. trend-setting pattern. 
And so not very dedicated. It, and so we were very accustomed <laughs> to that level of scrutiny at CP and, and the, the people were, you know, very professional. There was an expectation. And so, yeah, so even CN inspectors, when they joined Transport Canada, would find the very same culture. I think. It has to be very difficult to police your peers, maybe not your direct peers, but I know there's a brotherhood and a mm-hmm. sisterhood. Uh, with running trades employees and it's it's sort of like a police officer writing another police officer a speeding ticket yeah absolutely Uh, there must have been a little bit of that yeah i mean it's not the the nice thing to do and i think when it's warranted but the necessary thing to do it's no different than disciplining your own children right i mean it has to be done and uh you know i don't think i was a heavy hand i think i'd like to think that i was more of a um uh, corrective culture and uh, I would like to correctively coach and say look you know we do it this way because or here's why I would rather explain and coach the behavior than uh, come right in with some heavy hand and issue. Do you think that Canadian way of doing things was was more effective than the American of simply just write a check and go away? Oh absolutely it engages yeah. folks it makes them responsible it puts people accountable absolutely you know not maybe so much the whole deregulation thing but certainly getting people to have some skin in the game absolutely. Yeah nobody wants accidents uh, they're costly mm-hmm. uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So Transport Canada lasted until... Great gig. I was there for 16 and a half years and uh, left there just seven years ago. Um, You know, kids are older, grown and and, um, leaving home now and uh, always wanted to come back to the front line. Didn't know where. um, And an opportunity presented itself at VIA as a manager train operations or old school train master type position. Um, and so great, uh, national transportation carrier, passenger industry, totally um, different again, totally different. again. So now you've gone from a class one yeah. freight railway yeah. to transport Canada now to, yeah. um, to passenger. a, pas- a passenger yeah. railway. You're in the people business. I'm now. in the people business. People yeah. hauling people. People hauling people, but, um, the blue and yellow people. The blue, it was blue and yellow. Blue and yellow. Yeah. Multiple paint schemes. Now. Well, I'm old school. It's always be blue and yellow in my heart. So, so, um, so what's going on at VIA? What are you doing? So train master type work. So riding with crews, PMRC audits, uh, ride alongs, uh, check rides, uh, local rules, uh, you know, policies and procedures locally here in Toronto. Um, Please tell me that by 2013, you weren't no, one of the first women. Uh, first Via. woman, first woman <laughs> manager train op, said Via, yep. Oh, no. <laughs> sadly, sadly. Michelle the trailblazer. Sadly, yeah. I uh, was, but again, it wasn't something I realized till I was there. I, uh, they had not had any. Can you skate? Can, can you ice skate? Yes. Because you should probably try out for like the Toronto Maple Leafs. You'd be the first. first... Well, the Zamboni driver can, you know, he can do it. I mean, how hard Anything you want to do, Michelle, you're going to be the first woman to do it. What I say, I mean, anybody can be an engineer. Look, you even let women do it. It's so easy. Colors are close, blue and white. So easy. So here you are at Via Rail. So I'm at Via. uh, Absolutely thrilled to bits to be back on the front line. Love being with my hands in the operation. Um, responding to fatalities and incidents and accidents again absolutely love it it's um, you know you're always fighting fires uh, great classy group of people to work with um, are the people at via are amazing they're like none other 
and um, locomotive engineers are amazing. This group is self, uh, you know, self-motivated. They don't need managers to do anything um, except help them out with really the administrative stuff. Uh, but in terms of supervision, little to none. I have some dear friends who work at Via Rail, and I have to tell you, I know a lot of <laughs> railroaders, and I have to tell you that the people I know who work at Via are a special lot, and I and I and I don't mean that in a you know a, a, any sort of a, a negative way. Uh, I it it seems to me that people that work at Via Rail there's a there's a mantle of pride, a healthy pride that comes with that job. I don't know if it's because it's passenger operation. Partially, I think boxcars don't complain, but people do. I guess Partially, if they I think you're right. get a rough ride. But the people I know who are running trades at Via. Uh, take their job seriously, and they're very proud uh, in a healthy sense mm -hmm. to work there. Uh, do you share that sense? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. They they want to be there, um, and I also think it's because it's positioned sort of as the cream of the crop, right? It's something, it's the job that I think people most aspire to. Look, uh, it's scheduled, uh, they're assigned, you know when you're coming and going, not a lot of night work, certainly in the corridor, the Quebec City, uh, Windsor corridor, not a lot of night work. Uh, uniforms, clean environment. Um, that's a jammy job if you've worked freight and stood on a lead pulling pins in the rain for hours at a time. I mean, that's that's really where you want to be. Yeah, I know a lot of the guys that uh, that I know that work there have, um, how do I, I don't want to say earned it because everybody who mm. gets their job earns no, I know it, what but you mean. they've... Um, Aspired to they've be earned their stripes, yeah. I guess. Is they've is come, you, they've come all the from way from the freight world mm. or short lines or or so, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I've even scammed a hat off of one of them. Mm, so nice. I have to scam some more mm. stuff uh, mm. off of them. But mm. uh, you know, if you, you know anybody I can scam a shirt off, let me know. I'm a I'm a double X. But, uh, anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So I understand that you are currently part of a, a team. Uh, that is looking into the new equipment uh, that is coming to VIA. First of all, is that rumor true? And second rumor of all, true, yes. it is true. Rumor okay, is true. what can you tell us about that? So I left that position uh, about three years ago and came uh, to be the Senior Specialist Operating Practices and Regulatory Compliance at VIA. It's a lot to fit on a That's business a lot. card. It's, it's the Operating Practices uh, position. So essentially the policies and procedures that relate to locomotive engineers. So as part of that, I'm part of the team. Uh, along with um, two of our locomotive engineers um, from the TCRC and uh, very big engagement with TCRC at VIA. We, TCRC. Teamsters Canada Rail Conference. So the unionized uh, component of locomotive engineers here at, at VIA is TCRC. Uh, formerly the BLE, Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers. Um, Railroading has its acronyms, yes, doesn't it? I, sorry, it's worse I than apologize. Policing. Yes, it wow. is, yes. Um, and so we, we've engaged them. And so we went out for tender last year. The government announced that there would be money provided for new fleet for VIA because we're running equipment that is uh, uh, back in the 50s, I think, or 40s. We were running some of this equipment for many, many years. And, and some of it is beyond its lifespan for rehabilitation or for, um, you know, another round of of being rebuilt so <laughs> we're done we can't rebuild and so we do absolutely need for safety reasons to mothball it um, and as many people know our renaissance equipment that runs only on the ocean now in northern quebec as well is just been plagued with problems since we bought it it was a, a jigsaw puzzle of pieces put we put together bought from europe and so we went out for tender and Siemens won the contract and um, we have a 15 year um, 
warranty bumper to bumper on full train sets. Um, they're fixed consists and uh, we bought 31 or 32 sets, 32 fixed sets. Um, when you say fixed, do you mean they have a drawbar connection or do you just they're mean fixed that fixed couplers they... and they, we don't take them apart and put them together. So they are mechanically linked. They are fully, oh, fully oh, connected. Okay. And um, now we can take them apart. We can alter the sets, but it'll be sure. done at the shop. It won't be done. So if we have a problem on the road, train's done. We don't have... It's uh, all or nothing. It's all or nothing. You but again, with a 15-year warranty, so... You don't swap out one coach with a bad wheel or something We like will that. have Siemens um, folks on site, um, you know, helping us with the first few years of the, the, the maintenance contract. But um, so, yeah, so got to go down to Sacramento, uh, which is where the, um, the fleet is being built or assembled, I guess, is, is being assembled. And... Um, so we got to see actually just the very first piece of steel laying um, on the uh, on the tray to um, be built and go up from there. So our first test train will be coming uh, winter 2021. So um, next winter we'll have it here to sort of work out the bugs in the corridor during winter operation because you know it's great that they're uh, currently building and have fleets running in um, on Brightline in Florida, um, but. That climate's not the same as ours. Well, I was just going to ask because there is a difference between uh, Tampa and Miami mm-hmm. and uh, Winnipeg. It is very nice, a very nice climate to, to, to ride trains in. I was lucky enough to go see the Bright Line yeah. and ride it. So between the, Miami and... Take the people from Siemens to Winnipeg in mm-hmm. January, February and say, here you go. This is what we're up against. They're super engaged and they understand that, you know, this is part of the, the issue here, right? So, um, you know... They want to set here with uh, people pushing buttons and flushing toilets and doing all those things, opening, closing doors and steps so we can see how it functions. So, yeah. In the worst of conditions. In the worst of conditions, yeah. Canadian conditions. So, One yeah. of the things that I think that's part of the romance for me as a rail fan and, and, a, and a, a rail history buff is we've always sort of marched to our own beat in Canada in terms of railway hardware. You look at CN and CP uh, historically, and the other railways too, a lot of homemade equipment. You know, the, the railway back shops were big, building their own snow fighting equipment, and a lot of cabooses or vans were, you know, home road built. We didn't open a catalog and order cabooses, we built them. Mm-hmm. So Canadian railroads have always had unique needs. Mm-hmm. In here in the north and uh, so it's it's neat to know that via in partnership with Siemens is is uh, being forward leaning mm-hmm. in terms of being prepared for that because everything works great in June mm-hmm. and you know <laughs> it'll be a big learning curve even for our staff our staff is accustomed to fix it get it done uh, retrofit how do you how do you work around this that's that hood spot there'll that be no more about. of that and and they'll actually you can't actually you don't want that right so you've bought this product it's supposed to work this way no macgyvering it's got to be you know treated the way that the manufacturer wants it treated not uh, jimmy rigged and are these new train sets i don't know how much you can share are they double-ended so there'll be a cab car at one end and a locomotive and at a the traditional other. locomotive Correct. and and the locomotive is siemens built as well the, the whole the whole thing is is siemens yeah okay so that's actually that's actually a good thing because uh, the whole thing from soup to nuts yes. is one manufacturer. So it's one seamless train set. Yeah. You don't have to try and mate, you know, a, a Ford engine with a GM no. train, no. you know. So. And it'll be very modular, like how you see, uh, you know, car components today. You know, if something breaks, so we'll take off a, a component and put a new component on. So, and then we'll send those components out to be repaired, not 
fixing things in the components, right? And how long was the warranty again? 15 years. 15 years. Bumper to bumper. Yeah, yeah that's a... It's a long contract. And so it comes with a maintenance contract along yeah. with uh, uh, penalties built into um, failures and stuff. So it'll be good. It'll be good for us. It'll be good for our passengers and, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, give us reliability in the corridor that sometimes isn't there. So this September... You'll be uh, 32 years in the railroad industry. That's right. In one one facet this September, or another. September, 32 years. Yeah. There's been a lot of changes since September of 1988. That's right. Tell me, are you still in any sort of contact with any of the original people that you trained with back in Toronto, uh, back in the fall of 88? Yeah, so I see them uh, from time to time. I touch base on Facebook. Facebook is a great tool for keeping in touch. Uh, one of my road formative engines through um, a very bizarre set of circumstances uh, came back to uh, contact with me um, through a friend, uh, his daughter, great, shared the um, the email address. So unfortunately, he uh, he's in Florida. I had asked him to join us today on your podcast, but I'm hoping... Um, that one day he will uh, get a chance to talk to your listeners about uh, what it means to be a road formative engines in the environment uh, in his day. So he's, you know, um, I still keep in touch with him. Some of the more senior ones like Mac Allen has passed away. Um, sad, sad day, you know, for, for f- folks that were mentored by him and um, you know, for the industry at large, it's great for that. And speaking of Max passing, uh, which we, we've lost a giant mm. uh, there in terms of rail history, um, that cuts right to the heart as to why we started this podcast. Mm. It's to record the history of, of railways. And it's not strictly a Canadian show. It has been to date, but we, we have our sights set on south of the border as well. Uh, but it's so important. I would have loved to have talked to Mac. Mm. We could have done three years worth of uh, daily podcasts with him. Uh, but sadly now, uh, we won't see Mac uh, to the other side now. And we've lost all of that knowledge um, and wisdom and, and all those tidbits, uh, you know, went, went to the grave with him, sadly. And so that is why, um, that is why we're doing the show. And Michelle, I want to thank you. You have been more uh, than patient with me asking all these questions. It's been uh, very nice of you to feed me cake and coffee and, and cheese and open up your home. And I hope we can do it again. Thanks so much. And hopefully uh, we can get your uh, road foreman of, of engines uh, in on this and, and we'll, we'll sit down and, and talk to him. Michelle, I wish you all the very best you in the rest of your career. And if anything interesting should happen at VIA, you have my number. Give me a call Great. and we'll talk. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Bye. And thank you, everyone, for joining us once again on the platform. This has been the Station House Audio Series. Via detector, milepost 5.51. No alarm. Detector out.